Good morning. Let us bow to pray before I start the message. Almighty God, our Lord Jesus Christ, you promised your presence with all those who gather in your name. We ask you that through your Holy Spirit, support all of us who listen to today's message. Open our hearts and minds and remove all the obstacles that might prevent hearing what you want to say to us today. May the words we can hear touch us deeply. May we be shaped by them for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, dear sisters and brothers in Christ, before I start talking on the scripture reading you could hear this morning, I would like to say that it is my great pleasure being here with you and worship with you this morning. I think visiting each other's congregations in an exciting and enriching experience for all the participant pastors, and it is really an exceptional and blessed cooperation that we can be part of here in Killarney. Uh, I am grateful for this opportunity, and I pray that God may bless this Sunday in all of our congregations. Well, I heard from Danny that you are used to listening to guest speakers, so it is not a big shock for you, right? This is just a little change compared to what you used to for this particular Sunday morning. But if you ponder on your life experience, aren't unexpected situations and changes inescapable part of our lives? Whether we like it or not, changes happen all the time. And many times they are not what we want to see. Some other times we don't even recognize whether they are good or bad for us. Let me share an illustration with you which quotes from Martin Van Buren, the governor of New York, dated January 31st, 1829. It testifies that when railroads first were introduced to the U.S., some folks feared that they'd be the downfall of the nation. Here is how the letter goes. As you may know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines which, in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snore their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock and frightening women and children. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speed. Well, people who were used to one or two horse speed couldn't even imagine times when we have hundreds of horse speeds in our cars and 100 kilometer per hour speed limit on our highways. In the same way, I believe it's hard for us humans to understand being separated from the direct presence of our Creator God for so long, to imagine the power, the holiness, and love that are the attributes of the Almighty. Still, throughout the history, God tried to keep in touch with us through his chosen people, through prophets and disciples, who put down their sacred experience and shared it with all of us, who are ready to listen. They put down the warnings, guidelines God gave, 
that we may choose the right path and live in a way that pleases God and brings us life and prosperity instead of destruction and death. The question is, how much do we really listen? How much the scriptures and our times here at church changes our directions of life? Do we truly believe that knowing and following God's guidance and teaching can keep us safe and can give us life? Do we take God's decree seriously? I found this joke on the internet that illustrated to me that we tend to ignore warnings just because they sound too religious. A priest and a pastor are standing by the side of a road holding up a sign that reads, The end is near. Turn around now before it's too late. A passing driver yells, you guys are nuts, and speeds past them. From around the curve, they hear screeching tires, then a big splash. The priest turns to the pastor and says, do you think we should just put up a sign that says bridge out instead? I think we too speed past God's decrees and guidance many times and think that they are not relevant to our success in life. Only when we crash, we realize that we were wrong. All through the history, God sent all the warnings and calls to change direction because the Holy One knew that the way we humans are on leads to crash and even death if we don't turn back to him. And how many of us reacted to those warnings as the driver in our joke, you guys are nuts? With estranged hearts and minds that lose the ability to believe in God's power and miracles, it is easy to disregard what the prophets Jesus and the disciples are keeping telling us. Is it possible to change this attitude in a way that changes our priorities and way of life? I know that many of you believe in the life-changing presence of the Heavenly Father. Your attendance at this worship and the way you take part in the life of this church family indicates that you want to follow Jesus and hold to his teachings. Whether we are firm believers or just trying to find a right path in this life, Our today's message and reading encourage us that God's presence and call can be very powerful in our lives. The stories we heard this morning tell us that the risen Lord can make radical changes in our lives. He changed the heart of Saul, who was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He filled the hungry disciples with food and gave them guidance, success, in what they did and the restoration they needed. I like reading sermons written by other ministers whose mother tongue is English as mine is not on different scripture readings, and I also like to quote them when I find their way of explanation meaningful and enlightening. Today I would like to share with you how Reverend Donovan describes the changes Jesus made in his disciples' life. Now, Jesus appears to seven disciples. We are not told why only seven. Five of the seven are named, and they are a faulty bunch. Two are known for their hot heads. Three have doubted or denied Jesus. 
Nathanael is the one who said of Jesus, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Peter denied, Peter, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. Thomas, of course, is the famous doubter, the one who, when told that Jesus was alive, said, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand is in his side, I will not believe. You would think that Jesus, needing only a dozen good men, could have found better than these. I think that perhaps Jesus picked such an ordinary bunch so that we wouldn't feel inferior. If Jesus can do so much with these guys... Perhaps he can do something with us. Perhaps it is only Christ's power to transform our lives that really counts. An old gospel song puts it in this way. I am weak, but he is strong. Isn't that the truth? I am weak, but Christ is strong. It is Christ's strong love and forgiveness what made those disciples, the denying people, the doubting Thomas, and we can add here Saul, who persecuted Jesus' followers, strong and faithful witnesses to Jesus Christ. We know from church history that Peter was ready to suffer martyr death, just as Saul, who became Apostle Paul and was executed under Emperor Nero, sometimes around May or June of 68 Anno Domini. And we can add countless other early Christians and even some of our our age who were killed because of their faith in Jesus. Their dedication to their Christian faith was stronger than their fear of physical suffering and death. What made it possible for them? How could they be able for this remarkable change and strong devotion? I believe that they all experienced the risen Jesus' forgiveness and love. They felt deep in their hearts that they were separated from the love of God before, and when they understood what the Lord has accomplished and done in Jesus, through their faith in his redeeming love, they got reconnected again with the Almighty Creator God. They knew deep in their hearts that Paul put it like this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So they were ready to die for their faith, but they didn't deny the one who loved them so much. What are we ready to do for our faith? How much do we love Jesus? An old Hungarian joke came into my mind as I was thinking about that. A groom writes this letter to his fiancée who is on a holiday at a lake. My darling, I would do anything for you. I would climb Mount Everest. I would swim across the ocean. I would jump into the Niagara Falls. I would even die martyr death for you. I love you so much. P.S. If it doesn't rain on Sunday, I will definitely visit. 
you. We humans have a tendency to use big words, not just in our personal relationships, but also when it comes to our religion, re- religious feelings. Until rain comes and it gets uncomfortable to keep them. However, denying Peter and the, the doubting Thomas and many others were transformed to have such strong faith that not only Sunday weather, but even death didn't wobble it. They took seriously Jesus' call, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Those were Peter's marching orders, his mission statement. The work to which he was was to dedicate his life. And that is our mission statement too, the work to which we as Christians must dedicate our lives. Let me quote Reverend Donovan again. The church has been feeding lambs and tending sheep since its earliest days and is still feeding lambs and tending sheep today. Every Christian, every person here today has a responsibility to feed lambs and tend sheep. Perhaps we should first ask what it means to feed lambs and tend sheep. A complete answer to that question would take hours. Let me then just give a few examples. First, and we must never forget that this is first, the church provides spiritual food, conducts worship, offers word and sacraments. Sometimes it is difficult for us to appreciate the significance of that, but worship meets our highest need, our relationship to God. Worship transforms us from the inside out. Worship is the first work of the church and fuels all its other works. In worship, we become strong. So if the church is to feed lambs and tend sheep, it must first lead in worship. Second, feeding lambs and tending sheep means helping people to understand the scriptures to understand that through Christ, God offers salvation, forgiveness, grace, and to understand what Christ is calling them to do, what it means to be a disciple. Feeding lambs also means teaching our children about Jesus, teaching them the great Bible stories, praying with them daily, helping them to understand that God loves them, and helping them what God would call them to do what it means to be a disciple. The church can do a part of that, but the greatest responsibility for feeding lambs is in the home. If you have children at home, pray with them daily. Read the great Bible stories to your children each evening. Don't wait until they are teenagers. Third, feeding lambs and tending sheep mean attending to people's physical needs. It should be instructive to know that Jesus spent so much time healing the blind, touching lepers, getting a crippled man back on his feet. As in all things, we need here to follow his example. And finally, feeding lambs and tending sheep means establishing justice for the weak and oppressed. One of the saddest chapters of the church's history has to do with the way that churches gave their blessings to slavery. 
here in Canada we can add the residential school system to this list. But one of the proudest moments in the church's history has to do with Christians marching in the front lines of the American civil rights movements at the time when it was dangerous to march. In this regard, feeding the sheep and tending lambs also mean offering support to Christians who are being persecuted. We tend to think of persecution of being a first-century problem, but it is also a 21st-century problem. Worldwide, millions of Christians are subject to persecution. There are several countries where being a Christian is not welcome. The dominion of ISIS is just one example. Christians will die today, be martyred today for their faith. We will never hear their names until we meet them in heaven, but we need to become more aware of them today. But to follow Jesus' call, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, to do all the work we mentioned above, we have to change from denying doubting disciples to the ones who have met the risen Jesus and received absolution for their previous weaknesses. There is another important detail in our story, as it is outlined also by Reverend Donovan. As the disciples brought their big catch ashore, Jesus was waiting for them with breakfast, fish broiled over charcoal fire, and bread to go with it. This word, charcoal, appears only twice in the New Testament, both times in the Gospel of John. In the first instance, Peter warned himself around a charcoal fire when he denied Jesus three times. It was by a charcoal fire that Peter dishonored himself. Now, Jesus calls Peter and the disciples to gather around the charcoal fire for breakfast, and it is by that charcoal fire that Jesus redeems Peter, forgives him, forgives him, brings him back into full discipleship. How thoughtful of Jesus was it to wash away Peter's memory of that first charcoal fire, but re- by restoring him by this charcoal fire. I believe that we all can experience this strong, thoughtful love and forgiveness of Jesus, whoever we are and whatever our shortfalls are. I also believe that this strong love of our Holy Trinity God can change us and bring joy and healing to our souls in so many hard and different situations. When we realize how patient God is with us, that the Holy One bears our imperfections and even offenses against him and one another, that can make us stop and think. When we humble ourselves before the Lord because of this deep love and patience, that is when we really change. In our relationship to God and in our relationship to each other, If God had been so patient with me and has bared my deficiencies for years and years and is still bearing them, this should give me a different point of view when I think of God and when I think of others' insufficiencies. 
And this is what God would like all of us to realize. This is how we can become a loving, forgiving, and supporting Christian family, knowing that God provides the same forgiving and reinstating love to each one of us. It can restore both who we are and our relationship to our Holy Creator. Then we also will be able to carry out our Christian mission in our closer and wider environment. Well, changes happen in our lives anyway. We are born as tender babies dependent on our parents' care, and as we grow, we have to make our decisions, whom we believe and what road we follow. Then we grow old and lose our physical strength and maybe even our self-supporting capability. But how do we handle all the changes around us? Do we just let changes happen with us, or do we listen to the warning that we need to change, to turn back to God? We all know that it is not easy to change, but we have the promise that with God all things are possible. If we ask God to change us for better, if we make the choice to listen to and follow God while we still have our ability we can experience that God is always with us and we can enjoy his thoughtful love and forgiveness. The risen Lord is the one who can turn our sorrow to joy and our darkness to light. He can make us able to be devoted and feed the lambs and tend the sheep, to be tools of his changing power in this world. So, Let us believe God's warning to turn around now before it's too late. Let us allow him to make us faithful disciples. And let us praise the one who brings us grace according to his call. Amen. Now let us pray again. Holy God, we bow our heads and humble ourselves in front of you. We thank you for your deep love and patience, which can be hard to absorb and understand from our human point of view, narrowed by sins and estrangement from you. We thank you that you are ready to forgive all of our sins, curves and edges, and all of our imperfections, just as you forgave Peter for his three denials. May this deep love of yours change our hearts, and reinstate us to love you with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength, and love each other as you have loved us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.